Welcome to Connection Privé podcast, where we talk about very freely about the power of human connection and what it means for you, for your company, for your business and in your life. I'm always inviting some fabulous guests from different backgrounds. We had writer, author, winemaker, marketers, doctors, surgeon, and many, many more over the past two series. So I'm Clémence de Cressy. I run a luxury PR agency in central London. We cover PR, events, social media, and design for many international brands. And today I'm delighted to welcome an old friend of the agency, a wonderful lady called Judith Lewis. We've run this interview over InstaLive, uh, also on this podcast, and I really wanted to share it with you here. Not only Judith is an amazing writer, she is a specialist into wine and food tourism, and she loves discovering the local food of her region, focusing on the, on the sweets that are unique. Uh, she also writes about discovering the spirits and the spirits of her place. I really like her tone of voice. She's witty, she's clever, and not only an amazing writer, she has 20 years of experience running SEO campaign for multinational companies. And over the past five years, she's been training my staff at Clementine Communication on what is SEO and why it is important for a brand. I find it absolutely fascinating. It's part of our day-to-day -day work now. And Judith is going to tell us a bit more today. So now, listen and let me know if you have any queries or questions. DM me or don't hesitate to give us a call. Good morning, everyone. It's a bit of a girl's power day today. I uh, hope everybody's okay. We are already 11 o'clock. We have got a live with Judith Lewis today. So I'm just going to invite her straight away just to keep going. Uh, Judith is, is a dear friend of the agency. She's got a couple of professional accounts. I just want to make sure I'm calling the right one. Yeah, everyone, really nice to see everyone. Um, and Judy, so I'm speaking live with, with Judith. A bit of, a, bit of, we're traveling the world today. Um, I thought to change background as we can't physically still travel. Hey, Judith. Hi. Very good. Can you hear me okay? All okay? I can. I, I hope you can hear me okay. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> I, I love the fact you're probably one of the most savvy person. Hi, Antoine. I love the fact that you've got you're the most savvy person I know digitally and you had to ask me, uh, do I just have to click the button to go on the live? I absolutely <laughs> loved it, Judith. <laughs> well, I, you know, I'm, I'm generally quite egotistical, so I just go alone. <laughs> oh, but thank you for joining me. So just for everybody to know, uh, during lockdown, obviously all our events at the agency had to stop the physical events. Um, so we launched a podcast called Connection Privé, where we kept in touch with the world and we interview people such as yourself. We've had doctors, writers from all sort of background telling us about how they feel during the lockdown. We felt it was quite important to talk to everyone and keep contact with the world. 
Um, we are, we know each other for many, many years and we'll come on to that in a second. Um, and now we've carried on with the podcast and we took this little story live because we feel it's really easy with Instagram. They, they sit on our Clementine channel um, and it's very powerful. We end up having 500 or three to 500 listeners at the end, uh, lots of message, uh, potentially business requests for yourselves. And we really enjoy having this little casual chat. So thank you very much again for, for joining me. Um, enough said, GDs. A little bit about yourself, because I love the Canadian accent when you speak, and I think you, we've got to dig to in a little bit into more into that. Um, and your two hats. Can you, obviously, I know you through your writer. You are a freelance writer, and you've been published in, in many publications across the world. Um, your Canadian background, and also your digital hat. So how did you, how do you blend all this? What's the background? What's the story? Where does it all start? <laughs> Perhaps it's because I'm old. Um, oh. I... <laughs> <laughs> my father oh, wanted me to be a lawyer. I <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I'm a constant disappointment to my, my father who wanted me oh. to be a lawyer. Um, and I'm quite sure that writer was not on his agenda. However, my mother um, is a published author. So uh, not with books, but short stories, as is my younger sister. So there is a literary connection in the family. Um, I think the, the writer thing came late. I got into digital very early. I was a programmer at about 15 years wow. old, so quite a long time ago. And I stayed in the technology side of things. That was my mother's job before she had me was, was programming. Um, and in the 60s, quite a, um, quite a contentious job for a woman um but she brought me up to uh then appreciate technology as is my dad as did my dad so i got into tech i ended up in psychology at university for some reason you know university we experiment a lot i ended up with a specialized honors degree in psychology which is a pre-med route so i you know learned about brain surgery and uh, after <laughs> after deciding brain surgery also wasn't for me and law wasn't for me um, I ended up um, meeting somebody online, moving countries to the UK. And when I came here, I just, again, reinvented myself, uh, got into tech, ended up in marketing uh, technology. And so um, writing is a huge part of that. So I kept up the writing and I kept it writing for fun. I ended up going into the world of digital marketing, uh, where I had a, a high proficiency from my programming and my psychology background. Only time that degree was probably ever going to be useful. <laughs> and um, I followed my passion for food and writing. People kept asking me at conferences, what was my favorite chocolate? Because I spoke about it a lot on stage. And eventually I realized that was what a blog was for. So I started a blog I do much more with Instagram these days but I have a blog mostly about chocolate uh, yeah. which is going to hive off to also uh, a blog about this foodie travels because I travel so much for for work I speak at conferences all over the world from my um, digital marketing side so Gosh, so much to go through with you and I, I just stop you on the on the chocolate side so the you're one of the first what we call influencer, I guess, because you had your blog, which at the time um, there was a lot of blog out there. But I remember working in PR clients didn't really understand the value of working with blogger uh, compared to, to journalists printed. But you had both because you were writing for, for papers as well as having your blog on the side. So you really build up your career. Uh, taking it from there, but you, you became a real expert in chocolate, and and you know it took me um it took me a while because I know I know you 
for over a decade and I'm thinking, how did I meet Judith? You know, there's one of these people I would say, I believe in the power of networking and I go out a lot and I meet and I talk to people. Um, this is pretty much how my business has grown over the years. Um, and I was thinking, how did I meet her? And actually, I remember contacting you because I was launching La Maison du Chocolat, this very high-end luxury French chocolate brand in the UK. And looking online and doing my little research as a great, you know, student PR. Um, and I was, I, and I found you. And obviously, we we got on straight away. And then we started we started to work together. Um, but how did your passion for chocolate came up? Because you you ended up um, being an award, you know, you, you you participate in various awards, if I'm correct, and you judge chocolate and you talk about chocolate in such an eloquent way. How did that happen? <laughs> well, talking about chocolate in an eloquent way, thank you, Mum, for making me write lines at the dinner table. If I produced a sentence that was less than grammatically correct on the fly. So my mother schooled into me um, a high degree of English proficiency. Thanks, mom. Hi, love you. <laughs> um, uh, but chocolate came about because early in my digital marketing career, I did a lot of things that search engines these days uh, consider to be bad practice. Um, and I, I did it under a lot of pseudonyms. Um, and as I came out and started to speak publicly about 15 years ago, I had to cover up what I did all those years ago. And so I needed something, a magician's trick. I basically chose magician's trick. I needed to find something to distract people from the fact that I had done these things in the past. And I needed to show them that I was something different and hide everything in the past. So I thought, magician's trick, I'll make them look at my chocolate interest <laughs> instead of digging into my backlink profile and my IP profile, because I could do that. So I knew other people could. So I started talking about chocolate, my love of chocolate, because I loved chocolate. Um, a slight cheat, I come from a, a, a foodie family as well. So... My parents, my uncle, uh, my step-uncle um, a, was a wine and food critic for national newspapers. My parents both passionate about ensuring that kids try lots of food. So I just used an old-fashioned magician's technique to distract people while I cleaned up what I had done in the past. Well, it worked. <laughs> and then it took story. off and became a career in and of itself. I like so I you. judge well, wine you, and you know, food. Give yourself more credit than, than the magic trick from 20 years ago because I think, I think you, you came to my house and we'll move on to the second hat that you have, which is an amazing digital SEO consultant who traveled the world to give conferences on this topic. Um, it's a topic which is dear to, to my heart also at Clementine because I really feel that PR people out there have got to integrate more and more SEO part of their knowledge. Um, and I think we both agree on that. And I'm, and I'm very lucky because you came to train myself and my staff last week. We had an amazing session with you. Um, so that's my transition is you introduced us to a range of chocolate, but you clearly talk about chocolate in a very precise and detailed way. You know, the origin and the importance of producing good chocolate. And there's pretty, you know, there's some pretty horrible story out there. You were telling us about um, children still working in cocoa farms and, and, and producing the chocolate bar that we eat every day. Uh, and I think it's, it's pretty damn bad. And I'm glad you got the message out there. And hopefully, you know, so which chocolates, if you have two or three brands to finish on chocolate and moving on, but two or three brands that you would recommend we stick with in the future, supermarket brand, I would say. 
Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, one of my favorite brands is Askinoisy because they profit share, but they're not yes. available in the nice. supermarket. Uh, in the supermarket, my favorite brands are um, obviously Green and Blacks because they are still contractually obliged to purchase cocoa from the Dominican Republic and they yep. don't use child slave labor. Child, children can be bought for about 565 euros from Mali and then they're used in the cocoa farms uh, from about the age of 10 or 12 and then they're just worked until they're not valuable anymore. Cocoa trees are very sensitive so it's not profitable if we buy chocolate bars for a pound for 100 grams. So okay. I would recommend going to the supermarket like Sainsbury's and buying Sainsbury's uh, Taste the Difference line because I have absolutely been blown away. I'm sorry, Will. I love Weight Rose's own brand. It's okay for a milk chocolate, but the rest of it, mm, it's too thick to enjoy. Whereas um, yeah. Sainsbury's has gone with the thin bar much better. Marks and Spencer's has an okay um, milk chocolate as well. So Weight Rose and Marks and Sparks have a great 43%-ish milk chocolate, but Sainsbury's 55% milk chocolate is a fantastic bridge between your sweet milk chocolate of Cadbury's and yes. an ethical alternative in the supermarket that anyone can buy. Or if you can't find those, Willie's Delectable Cacao, small blue box for milk chocolate, milk of the gods, or mm. fantastic 72% uh, Las Trinqueras, I think it is, and also available in most supermarkets. This is putting my taste bud in motion. Thank you very much. <laughs> Nearly lunchtime, I guess. We're, we're getting there slowly. Some lovely friends joining now, and I've got a few questions which are emailed as well to me as I'm going, as I'm listening to you. But uh, uh, so lovely transition. So that's one part of your life, which is this passion for food, uh, this clear, amazing knowledge in the chocolate world, and uh, what you're doing through your mostly about chocolates uh, website and blog. Um, other hats, as I said, is the digital. Um, how did that? So you told us a bit about when when it all started. How did you do for during the lockdown? Because I guess the past 12 months, as you said yourself, you traveled the world to do all these conferences and meet businesses. How did that impact you? Believe it or not, I have never billed so much or been so busy as I have been during lockdown. I don't understand how I coped before when I was traveling the world. I mean, I had working in lounges down to a fine art. I knew exactly where to walk in. I was gold on BA. So you walk in, you go through, seven minutes later in the lounge, I had my favorite table where I could work easily, pull it in front of me, and I, I knew what alcohol or non-alcoholic drinks I could get away with. I knew if I was going to sleep on the plane or not, so I knew how much I had to hammer through on the lounge, and I would work nights, days, downtime, every second that I was not awake or asleep. Um, now, I still work every hour I'm not asleep, but I'm doing 14-hour days. Um, I have more clients that I would not have picked up uh, had I been traveling the world because I have one client that is, is probably about nine days a month. And if I was traveling the world, that would be my only client because I couldn't really squeeze in that much more on a daily, uh, on a monthly basis. So yeah. it's fantastic. I do miss traveling. I already have Morocco booked. I have Athens booked. I have Bucharest booked. Um, I, I have all sorts of, of Thessaloniki as well. So I'm going up to do the wine routes of northern Greece oh. so that I can better judge Greek wine. Um, I've learned about, uh, I, I, I tend to avoid French wine, although you introduced me to Nuit Saint-Georges, which on the Côte de Nuit is one of the finest uh, Burgundy wines that I've ever had 2015. Clearly a very good year 
in the that area. Of, the Chateau de Pomar was it, I think, that we had a, a lovely bottle last Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely gorgeous. Um, yeah. And so, yes, I'm, I, I'm traveling the world again soon. I, I finished my vaccination course and then I'm on a plane, I think, three weeks after my second vaccination to Athens. Oh, lucky devil. That is amazing. I'm so happy for you. Yeah, I just, I just read the recent report saying that it might actually become a, a passport for travel or at least to avoid doing the quarantine on the re on return from a trip, right? So that might be yeah. able. But you'd be happy. So you, you seem to have coped dramatically well for your business, um, which is really, really exciting. And, and mentally, how did, it, how did that work out for you the past 12 months? Because I guess you are hosting events, you do speak to clients, you travel the world to see them. It's a little tad different on, the, on these little machines, right? I mean, we love it dearly, but, uh, but you don't have that. You don't know what's around me. You don't know what's happening in front of me. You don't have the context of where I am, what I've just done five minutes before. It, it, it's very different. Um, so mentally, uh, you know, it's a big thing, uh, I guess, mental health. So how did you cope? So uh, because, you know, I went from, I'm, I was about to do Italian wines um, for my birthday. There was a big Prosecco dinner planned. And I went from that being planned and then jumping to Bucharest and then somewhere else um, to nothing to absolutely everything canceled. Um, so it was very difficult on me. I didn't actually get into alcohol as much as some of my colleagues. So in my industry, we do have a very big problem with alcohol. Um, I ate a lot of sugar and I gained almost a stone early on in the pandemic um, as a coping mechanism. I yeah, ate more yeah. like gummy sweets, you know, the ones, the gummy yeah. sweets with the, the sour on the outside. I was just eating those to keep going. And, um, I, I noticed my weight gain and I thought, no, this is it. You know, Judith, you have to get your professional head on. You did a degree in psychology. Look at yourself. Um, and I, I still know that I, I'm not 100% now. And I don't think any of my colleagues are. But I walk now. I, I started walking every day. I started at 3K, then 5K. I'm at 10 to 12K nice. most days now. Um, it doesn't really help you lose a ton of weight unless you really like hammer at it and stop eating all the gummy sweets, yes. says the woman looking at the packet of candy kittens. <laughs> but now I only eat three or four a day rather than before I'd eat like a pack a day to yeah. cope. So sugar walking, was my coping. And walking as help is, is really helping you to, yeah. And, and do, yeah. You, do you start resuming, I guess we saw you last week in a sort of nicely safe environment. Um, there she said, as it was in my house, let's be very honest, open with the world. But um, did it, uh, yeah, are you starting to resuming events? Are you, are, you are you meeting people now? Oh, absolutely. So the, there's a conference that's being organized in Bucharest um, uh, on the digitization of the wine sector. Um, we've also, as a group, um, we know that there's SEO uh, event in Brighton in July that is going to be in person. Mm. Um, so yeah, my industry is, is back up and running at a pace and I've already got two other conferences for 2022 that want to book me in. So it is absolutely getting back together, but awesome. we're, we're doing smaller groups to start with. I don't know about July. July looks big. It's in a hotel and it will have live in-person speakers. Yeah. Might not have an audience, but definitely in-person speakers. Nice, and awesome. so we are building back up, but they are small events and I've already had Christmas in July in September invites. So <laughs> Yeah, we, we're doing of... mostly digitally digital events. I have to say we're still a little bit cold feet. Um, we're planning press trip for 
with planning to resume press trip either to my Italian client, Greek clients, and so on, so on back, from, but not not really realistically September. Uh, and that if if you know if we're lucky not to have a third wave, but like yeah. yourself, I believe in the I want to believe in the jab, and that would get us out of there. Um, I've had a question from a couple of friends. Um, I give a lot of talks on on PR. And I always try to end up with digital PR and the power of, of SEO, which I explain in my own PR world, in my own PR way, I guess. And they say, well, as you're speaking to Judith, can we hear from Judith in our own way um, how to demystify P SEO? Because, you know, a lot of people are thinking, oh, I need to work with a large agency. This is really scary. I don't know what to do with my website. Can you spend the next 10 minutes of this call to enlighten us? and keep it very basic, uh, basic, I guess, on, on the power of SEO for a brand, if it's okay with you. Absolutely, yeah. So SEO is often sold as something that's secret and very difficult. If you break it down, a lot of SEO is PR. It, it is traditional PR. It's just done in a digital format, which can seem intimidating to some people. So sometimes because it's digital, people will think, oh, I can't do that. That's computers. Um, you know, much like my mom, when she was in the 60s, late 60s doing programming, it really wasn't a woman's world that to do programming. So it was really quite difficult. And my programming teacher in 85, she didn't think that programming was any place for a girl to be in. My mother had to argue with her to get me in the programming class. So it's, it's really been difficult because we don't have the generation of people who have come through with digital as native. So it, it made it mystified to begin with. So schools didn't help. We've grown up feeling like digital is mystical. And Google has a black box, which is because they don't want people like me tricking it and getting people who don't deserve to be at the top to the top. So uh, it's also a little bit mystical. So it okay. feels yeah. mystical, but it's not. If you break it down, all it is is communicating to your audience in a way that they understand if your audience included a critical door manager, like a, like a, a bouncer of a five-year-old child who had to understand what things are about before they'll let you in. So if you think about it that way, you've got to tell the five-year-old bouncer what your business is about in words it'll understand in a way it will understand. Now, the five-year-old bouncer only accepts things in the form of, I don't know, um, a gummies, you know, so you need to give it gummies. So you need to manufacture a gummy, which means you need to learn how to make gummies, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So you have to learn how to put stuff on your website that feeds Google the information it needs. And not everyone knows how to make gummies, no, you know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a new skill. But it's once you make it super easy. Oh, my God, I was intimidated by making caramel until I actually went and made caramel. Thank you, Paula Young, because I never <laughs> would have done it. Um, and so if I if you don't try something and you're intimidated by it, it seems scary and difficult. Making caramel for me seems scary and difficult. And so now how, do you, how do you start then? You know, if we have to give like very, very simple steps and obviously people can call you then for further consulting afterwards, but the simple steps and I look at the people following us now, interestingly, we've got a couple of freelance writers who are about to launch their own websites and, and um, I'm sure they'll be interested to listen to that. Where do you start? It's difficult. Uh, it's very complicated and there's a lot of misinformation out there. 
first place to go, I would recommend, is a friend of mine, Aleda Solis. Um, she's an SEO out of uh, Spain. She built a website for this called learningseo.io. Okay. So you're learning SEO, and it's a .io domain. So learningseo.io breaks everything down. But all you need to do is understand that Google looks for words. It understands them, but it, it has to find them on your website. So if your page is about um, Nuit Saint-Georges wine uh, from Côte de Nuit, it helps to actually use those words on the page. Okay. If you don't have those words on the page and you're assuming people will know if you talk about um, not quite the Cote d'Or, but still a very um, a prestigious Burgundian wine that, you know, the, the mayor of the area was the one who designated the Premier Cru, and that's why it's not a Premier Cru, then, you know, no, I'm sorry, Google does not understand that. Google's smart, but it can't figure out that you're talking about Cote de Nuit. Okay. So you have to tell it what you're, what you're talking about, and you have to tell it in words other people are using. Okay. So don't use words that only you use and use words everybody else is using. Once you've done that, you've done 50% of what you need to do. Wonderful. Okay. That's and yeah. getting links from other people helps, but don't buy them. Don't go for those people who say, oh, give us 50 pounds, give us 100 euros a month, then we will do everything for you. Because generally those are dangerous links. And... I run a clubhouse. For the people who don't know what's links again, it's, it's just having that uh, URL on your website, which goes to another website. And that's the traffic yeah. sort of goes between both, right? Exactly. And for Google, points also move between both. Mm -hmm. So if my website has 100 points to give on a page and I have four links, each of those links gets 25 points. So I can give points to someone and they can give points to me. Google's okay. tricky because if you give points to each other, the points are zeroed out. Ah. Because Google's figured this out. They were like, ah, I see you swapping things back and forth. <laughs> we will make that zero. So okay. it's a little complicated, but if you go to learningseo.io, you can see step-by-step -step everything, but genuinely understanding what language people are using when they're searching for wine or chocolate or um, anything. If, if yeah. see, people are looking for chewy sweets that are infused with a legal substance that will help them relax, right. they're probably going to search for CBD gummies, not a yes. chewy sweet that is infused <laughs> with a legal substance that will help them relax. Yes. It's as easy as that. Okay. Honestly, it's as easy as that. Okay. And I recommend also SEM Rush. SEM um, they Rush. have a series of free, free learning um, modules, that, um, a latest link to them. SEMrush also has a, a suite of tools. They do cost money, but they're the best tools on the market for their price and will help you as a business owner to advance your visibility in the search engine world. That's fabulous. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge believer um, that it's something that we should all integrate. Um, I know my digital agency that we had in the past probably looking at me saying, ah, she's going to let us down. But I think it's a, it's a skill that we've got to, to learn and endorse and, and teach our clients. Uh, it's crazy to do the PR for so many websites and, and online shop um, and not being able as PR consultant to be able to advise them as well on the, on the SEO and the final, you know, uh, the, the, 
it's, it's a loop and, uh, and I feel that sometimes there's a gap because agencies don't talk to each other and, and actually we should all be one voice. Um, this is really exciting. I am really excited about that. So thank you. I think hopefully that has raised the, you know, the right question to everyone. And I guess if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that actually, Judith? Uh, they can find my contact details either on my Twitter, Decabit, um, or Judith Lewis, either one. There'll be an email address in my bio. My website is decabit.com. So you can see the Instagram Live is linked to my Decabit Instagram to make it super easy for people to find me from a business point of view. But if they happen to find me at Mostly About Chalk or This Foodie Travels, they can also contact me through that. But Decabit is the easiest thing to find me through or chocolate loving SEO if you go to Google or a search engine of your choice. Uh, very good. I'll make sure to add them when I post the story at the end. Um, on, the, on that note, talking about lovely food and drink, your, in a few words, what's your favorite, favorite wine ever? And where would you drink it if you had to drink it again tomorrow? That's very difficult because I've had some stunning wines. I've been very lucky in that I've been able to taste wines from around the world. If I, if I, I'll choose two, one dessert wine and one normal wine. Nice. Uh, the normal wine, if I was going to drink Saint-Georges is now for the 2015, because the 2015 was uh, stunning from Nuit Saint-Georges. Um, but also I find that the Grand Reserva's that are coming out of um, Rioja right now are, are stunning, especially 2010s. Um, and I definitely drink them somewhere warm and sunny. Um, so really anywhere except possibly Southern Britain where I live. Oh. Um, and they're stunning. There's some stunning wines. I absolutely love areas like Spain, Portugal, um, Romania even, and Bulgaria. Yeah. Those are emerging. They've had wine forever, like yeah. literally because they have temples to Bacchus yeah. um, but they just have been underappreciated because of the bulk wine production that they were doing so Romania and Bulgaria are my two favorite areas like Teratangra as a as a winery and and Mavrud as a local wine grape very heavy reds though you gotta go I'm a bold red girl um, and uh, if I was going to go lighter like a white I'd go dessert wine Tokai royal Tokai I would definitely go back to Eger and there's a center in the center of Eger the town where it's all stone cobblestones and it's exposed and there are, are um, patio uh, alfresco dining and you could just have a small glass of Royal Tokai at the end as a dessert. It is stunning as a dessert wine. How did you get your knowledge in wine? You know, we talked about food earlier on, but you're clearly very qualified. My question was just, I thought you mentioned just one brand and one location. You're clearly super knowledgeable in wine. Have you got your WSET degrees? Have you done all these? Strangely enough, I haven't done WSET. I have been looking into um, testing into level three just so that um, I can have the vocabulary yeah. that everyone else is used to because I use chocolate vocabulary. Right. So I'll talk about chalkiness or paper or other words that are often referred to in a slightly different way. Um, I've been in wine um, and learning about wine since around 2012, okay. I think, or 2013. So much more formally visiting um, regions, visiting destinations, tasting wine, learning about the different uh, varietals that are native to the different areas. I have a friend who has a winery. I sit on a think tank that is looking at revolutionizing and digitizing the wine sector. 
um, in Switzerland out of Vadensville's um, Weinbound Centrum. Okay. So the Weinbound Centrum in Vadensville is a test winery that grows uh, grapes and different types of grapes in different types of ways, looking at different microclimate impacts um, on wine production. And I'm looking at digitizing everything from soil sensors and air sensors through to using QR codes to show the consumer what the um, experience of the grape was, how much sun was there, how much rain was there, how was it vinified, how long was it on lees? The good, how, old, how... good old QR codes are back. <laughs> well, it, it would be to create the experience, to, to quickly pop them across the experience, but also blockchaining so that we could um, monitor temperatures of wine, because as you know, bottle shock's a real yeah. thing. So if you heat wine too much, it destroys it. So we would be able to track everything through the process cheaply, cheaply is my key factor here. And we also looking at a technology I can't talk too much about because it would prevent fraud um, using blockchain in Amazing. wine. Well, I think there's, there's a lot of company out there sort of putting things like uh, Michael Baum launched this, uh, this platform called Vivant.eco uh, with the, I mean, he's a philanthropist himself, but with the idea of, of tasting only wine which are organic, which, are, which we know where they're from, which are produced the right way, so you drink the right thing, really. Um, there's a lot on his website, but yeah, everything comes within the same ethics. So I really like that. I think it, it makes a massive progress. Well, we've still got a way to go, but we're not going to revolutionize the world overnight. Thank you very much, Edith. It's really, really lovely to talk to you. You're, you're such a, a breath of fresh air. Uh, you always come with a smile. You're very positive. You're very knowledgeable. You're a very intelligent woman. It's a pleasure as always to be speaking with you and working with you. So thank you for your time today. And we'll be, uh, we'll be seeing you again very soon, I'm sure. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And if anyone has questions, just tweet or email. I'm they always will. happy to you'll help. See, you'll see over the next, it's always, always a, a few peak, weeks of pickup, but you'll see they'll come to you. <laughs> That's for sure. Cannot recommend it enough. Thanks ever so much. Thanks so much. Ciao. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to Connection Privé, a podcast produced by Clementine Communication PR Agency. This episode was mixed and edited by Chris Osborne. For more insightful interviews about networking and the power of human connection, make sure to subscribe to Connection Privé on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And if you like what you hear, please leave a review in the Apple Podcast Store or tell a friend about us. I'm your host, Clémence de Crécy, and I hope to see you again soon. À bientôt!